Now we're going to finish this chapter 11 uh, by reading and listening. And as we listen and reflect, let's let the act of Jesus live in us. See, this is not just a, you know, an interesting story. The Jesus who raised Lazarus lives in you. Don't forget it. You see? This isn't always not nice he raised Lazarus. What are we having for supper? You know, this is life. Okay. So, Martha has just told Jesus, if you remember from the other the session, uh, Lord, he'd be, he'd be giving off a bad odor by now. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So then they took away the stone. Now the stone is rolled away, and Jesus raises his eyes to heaven. And he prays, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I had known that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing about, I spoke that they might believe that you sent me. That line is preparing them for the Passion. When he dies, remember, folks, I raised Lazarus. Don't lose heart, totally. You know, it was so hard for them. The best they could do was hide in a corner and hope for the best. They couldn't go out and say, he's going to raise in three days. He told us that three times. Maybe after Pentecost they'd do it. Uh, Well, we're like that, right? So, anyway, uh, I spoke that they might believe that you sent me. Now, when I rise from the dead, see, I'm preparing them. And saying these things, he cried out with a great voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out his feet and hands bound with grave strips, and his face wrapped about with a cloth. He's dead. I mean, he's alive now. Jesus told them, unbind him and let him go. End of story. Now, the reactions. We start now with verse 45. The reactions. Many from among the Jews who came with Mary and saw what he did Believed in him. Now in Greek, you can believe, uh, when it's followed by the preposition is, it means into. It's a belief that, that, that terminates in Jesus. We saw this before. This is communion. They believed in him. They just didn't believe him, that you're pretty strong. They believed in him. They believed in who he is. They believed, am I making myself clear? It, it, your, your act of belief reaches the heart of Jesus and you know him. That's faith. It's a living faith. We talked before about baptism in the Spirit. That's one of the graces that brings this faith alive. You see? Okay. However, some from among them went off to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus did. What kind of people would they be? Hey, you know what he just did? He raised a guy from the dead. Or maybe they were kind of tattling. Or maybe they, I don't know what they were doing. Or maybe nobody knows. Well then, the high priests and the Pharisees gathered a council. Now try to listen to this and repent. Hardness of heart. Can you imagine? They just heard that this fellow who has argued with them, talked with them, you know, but never, you know, 
dismissed them and and preaches about God the Father like nobody else ever did. And this is the one. They gathered a council. What did they say? What are we to do? Because this man is performing many signs. How hard can you get? It's astonishing, isn't it? They gather a council. And what are we going to do? Because this man is performing many signs. If we leave him like this, everyone will believe in him. See the irony? John puts the Christian word there. He doesn't say everybody will follow him. They know the the Pharisees are unknowingly prophesying. They're going to believe in him. So what will happen then? You see, the Romans will come. We'll also lose our audience, our income, our status, our role in the people. They're all going to follow him. You see how hard we can get. Wouldn't that be great? Look at how, you know, look at our people. The Messiah has finally come. So, and then the Romans will come and take away our place, meaning probably the temple, could mean the whole land, and the nation. They did it anyway. You know, uh, less than 40 years later, boom. And from that moment to this, there's no temple. To this moment. When it was rebuilt, it was rebuilt as a mosque, not a temple. You see? One from among them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, You do not know anything. Do you not understand that it is expedient for you that one man die for the people, rather than that the whole nation be destroyed? Now, he did not say this on his own, but he said this uh, because he was high priest that year, and he prophesied. Now, I'm trying to find a place where I have a note that, here it is. You see, the generations began to consider that the high priest would have a gift of prophecy. And so that's what he's talking about here. Unknowing by himself, even. He doesn't know what he's saying. You see? Uh, but it's better that one man die for the people. Exactly rather than that the whole nation be destroyed. It's not going to be destroyed, my friend. It's going to be saved. Now he, that's Caiaphas, did not say this on his own, but rather being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, the Jewish nation, you see, but not for the nation alone, but that the scattered children of God be gathered into one. Jesus saw first his own people scattered, the ten tribes lost. And one of his motives was to gather those ten tribes together again. And he did. But they weren't gathered here, they're gathered in heaven. Just look at the book of Revelation, chapter 7, I think. John has his vision, right? From the tribe of Asher, 144,000. From the tribe of God, 144,000. From the tribe of Levi, 100, and so forth. They're all gathered up there. He gathered the tribes again. Here, he's formed a new Israel. The twelve patriarchs are now the twelve prophets. But the others were not lost. They've been gathered. They're in heaven. What a grace. You see? Uh, so not for the nation alone, 
but that the scattered children of God might be gathered into one. From that day, they plotted that they might kill him. Jesus no longer walked openly in Judea, but rather left there for the area near the desert to a town called Ephrata. Now he's going to stay there until Passover. Now, you see, if this is the feast uh, where he at, you see, uh, we don't know uh, where we at, where we're at at this. Anyway, he went away to prepare himself for what was going to happen, to pray, to be with the Father, to instruct his apostles, to get ready for his inevitable death. Then a break. Then this text starts again. You have to read the break into it. The Passover of the Jews was near, and many went up to Jerusalem from the country before Passover in order to purify themselves. Devout, simple people, leaving their farm, leaving their animals and everything to be taken care of by the Lord. And they all went down uh, to get ready ahead of time for the Passover. The Lord always has these chosen people, doesn't he? They're in all our parishes. Simple, good people. No tickets on themselves, but they're like this, okay? They were looking for Jesus and talking with each other standing in the temple. What do you think? That he will not come to the feast? Now the very last line of this story, which is all about life from death, right? Now you want an essay on hardness? This is the last line. John, such an artist with words. huh? This is what he finally says. The high priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, they should make this known so that they might seize him. Implacable. Can you hate that much? Yeah. But when you hate God that much, you're in trouble. And you know, there are many people walking around. They're not the simple people, whether they be Buddhists or Hindus or whatever. No, it's the big shots. He's a, he's a rival because he's a real savior. He's not just going to balance the economy. Huh. Nobody would do that anyway but God now. Uh, he's not going to just, you know, organize the world into a government. He's going to give them all eternal life. Only God can do that. And so you see the total futility. And then when we're not generous with God and let him do his plan, we can get hardened against him and resent God. You see, the people who built the Tower of Babel, they resented that there could be somebody up there who cared for them. We're going to care. We're going to build the tower. It's going to go up to heaven. <coughs> <coughs> of course it didn't. And so, the story ends, this part of it, sets a very somber tone. We have chapter 12, which is Jesus just before the Feast of Passover, where he says, again, what we hear here, there, now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But no, it's from this hour that I came. I have saved it, and I will save it. But you see, there's this confrontation with hardness. So, what do we do today 
when so much of the world is either drifting into uncaring, and from uncaring you go to hard. You know, you want your life exactly the way it is, and you don't want any interference. And so, well, you start, you know, Christianity was good for the infancy of the human race, you know. God becoming man, and being born of a virgin, and working miracles, and rising from the dead. The infancy of mankind needed that sort of illusion of, of transcendence. We don't. We know what makes this world go round. We know the laws of physics. We can make anything we want. We can even make human beings. So we don't need God. You know, it was a it was a comforting illusion. You see. Now, the illusion is that they don't need God. How can we be so stupid? I don't care who you are. You're going to die in a few years. I mean, doesn't that register? You haven't solved the problem of life. You made yourself, through illusion, more comfortable for a while. But you're going to die. Have you got a solution to that? I've, I've read about, you know, out in California, they're trying to figure out how they're going to make themselves immortal. Well, they're not. Even if they can prolong their bodily life a thousand years, I mean, you're dependent on all these tubes. I mean, it's ridiculous. You're not going to make yourself eternal. Jesus Christ is. And he's going to do it through his death and resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so, this chapter 11 ends on this off-key note. It's like a siren, off-key, wailing away and diminishing in the darkness. They said, if anyone knew where he was, they should make this known so that they might seize him. They might go after him. Amen.